Now we come to another sutta called 4.13.122. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these four perils to be looked out for in him who goes down to the water. What for? Peril of waves, peril of crocodiles, peril of whirlpools, and peril of sea monsters. These are the four perils. In like manner, monks, in some clansman here who has gone forth from the home to the homeless life under this Dhamma Vinaya, these four perils may be looked out for. What for? Peril of waves, peril of crocodiles, peril of whirlpools, and peril of sea monsters. And of what sort, monks, is peril of waves? In this case, a certain clansman who has in faith gone forth from home to the homeless life thinks thus, Here am I, fallen upon birth, old age and death, sorrow and grief, woe, lamentation and despair, fallen upon ill, overwhelmed by ill or dukkha. Maybe of all this mass of ill, some ending may be shown. To such a one who has thus gone forth, his fellows in the holy life preach and admonish him, saying, Thus should you retreat, thus should you advance, thus should you look forward and backward, bend or unbend, thus should you bear outer robe and bowl and inner robe. Then it occurs to him, I who before lived at home was accustomed to preach to and admonish others. Yet these people, who to my thinking are no more than sons or grandsons, these people think that I am one to be preached to and admonished. Thus he, angered and offended, abandons the training and turns back to the low life. This one monks is called a monk who abandons the training and turns back to the low life, scared by the peril of waves. Peril of the waves, monks, is a term for wrath and resentment. This is called peril of waves. I'll stop here for a while just to uh, comment. Eh? Here, um, this generally uh, refers to um, old people, uh, old people who enter the monkhood. Eh? They find it quite difficult to be told by younger monks eh? uh, what to do and what not to do. In the monkhood, seniority depends on the number of years the monk has been ordained, taken the higher ordination. Eh? So uh, the earliest age a monk can take the higher ordination is about 20. So perhaps uh, by the time he has 10 vasas, 10 uh, rains retreat, uh, a monk could be about 30 years old. And then in comes an old man at 60 years, for example, and then uh, he's told off by a 30-year-old monk and he feels uh, pretty annoyed. So uh, sometimes uh, the uh, old man can't stand this and then he disrobes. Uh, so this is uh, referring to people who enter monkhood in their old age. Eh? It's quite difficult for people to enter monkhood in their old age eh, to adjust to the uh, monkhood. Eh? And the Buddha continued, And of what sort monks is peril of crocodiles? In this case, a certain clansman has in faith gone forth from the home to the homeless life. He thinks thus, Here am I fallen upon birth, old age, and death, etc. 
Maybe of all this mass of ill, some ending may be shown. To such a one who has thus gone forth, his fellows in the holy life preach and admonish him thus. You should eat this, not that. You should swallow this, not that. You should taste this, not that. You should drink this, not that. You should eat, swallow, taste and drink what is fitting, not what is unfitting. You should eat, swallow, taste and drink at the proper time, not at the improper, at the improper time. Then he thinks thus. I who before lived at home used to eat, swallow, taste and drink just what I liked and refused to eat, swallow, taste and drink what I did not like. I used to eat and so forth, both what was fitting and, un and unfitting and that too whether the time was proper or improper. But now, when believing householders offer me choice food, both hard and soft, at an improper time, I think they are putting a bridle on my mouth. Thus he abandons the training and turns back to the low life. This one monks is called a monk who abandons the training and turns back to the low life because he is scared by the peril of crocodiles. Peril of crocodiles monks is a term for gluttony. This is called peril of crocodiles. I stop here for a while. Eh? Uh, this is another thing uh, which somebody who has gone forth uh, into monkhood finds a bit difficult to adjust to. Uh, for example, uh, eating one meal a day or some monasteries they eat uh, two meals a day but not being able to eat at night uh, or after after about one o'clock uh, when the sun is at the highest uh, until the next dawn so sometimes uh, if you are not used to it you can feel hungry so uh, some people they don't like that also there are some allowances for monks to take uh, in the evening uh, at night for example, what is considered medicinal, uh, there are certain allowances uh, like uh, sweet, honey, uh, vegetable oil, uh, butter and some uh, traditions. They also take uh, milk or uh, cheese. Uh. So other than that, uh, like normal foods, uh, you can't take... So when a person goes forth, uh, he has to train himself in this respect also. And some people find it too difficult because maybe they have a, a taste for good food. One thing as a monk, we can't choose our food, whatever we are given, we, have, we, we take. Whereas as a layman, you can buy whatever you like to eat uh, at any time. So some people find this too difficult uh, to, to restrain your eating habits. Uh, and so they... Disrobe. These are people, what the Buddha calls untamable men, men who cannot be tamed, and people with fixed habits. It's quite difficult. And then the Buddha continued, And of what sort, monks, is peril of whirlpools? In this case, a certain clansman has in faith gone forth from the home to the homeless life. He thinks thus, Here am I, fallen upon birth, old age, etc. Maybe of all this mass of ill, some ending may be shown. He, having thus gone forth, robing himself in the morning and taking bowl and robe, sets out for village or town to beg for arms, with body unguarded, with speech unguarded, with mind unguarded, with mindfulness not established, with faculties uncontrolled. Then he sees a house father or son of a house father indulging in, provided with and enjoying the five sense pleasures. 
Then he thinks thus, I too before when living at home indulged in and was provided with and enjoyed the five sense pleasures. Moreover, since wealth exists in my family, I could enjoy it and do good works therewith. How now if I were to abandon the training, turn back to the low life, enjoy my wealth and do good deeds therewith? Accordingly, he does so. This one monks is called a monk who abandons the training and turns back to the low life because he is scared by the peril of whirlpools. Peril of whirlpools, monks, is a term for the five sense pleasures. This monks is called peril of whirlpools. Stop here for a while to comment. Eh? The five sense pleasures are the pleasures of sight. I mean, seeing good good things, eh? enjoyable things, eh? like uh, watching films and going sightseeing, going touring, etc. And then the pleasure of hearing. Pleasure of hearing is uh, hearing to good music, going to see stage shows, uh, going to see plays, etc. Going to see operas and music uh, festivals, etc. And... Uh, the third one is uh, pleasure from smells, uh, using perfumes and uh, different kinds of smells. Huh? And then the fourth one is from uh, taste, the pleasure of taste, huh? eating whatever you like, huh? enjoying good food huh? and drinks. Huh? And the fifth one is pleasure of touch. Huh? Pleasure of touch refers to like uh, uh, sensual pleasure and uh, also like... Uh, having a aircon uh, in your room, etc. So these are the uh, five sense pleasures uh, that um, lay people uh, usually enjoy. Uh. So if a person is used to enjoying life, uh, used to enjoy worldly life, uh, when he renounces, it is quite difficult to divorce himself from all these uh, to be ascetic. Uh. So people who are rich, uh, who have uh, come from a very wealthy background and used to enjoying life. Huh? If they can renounce, it means they have very good uh, karma, they have uh, what we call good roots. Huh? Uh, otherwise, it's very difficult to renounce. And then the last one, the Buddha said, huh? And what monks is the peril of sea monsters? In this case, monks, a certain clansman who has in faith gone forth from the home to the homeless life, etc., uh, things thus, here am I fallen upon birth, old age, etc. Maybe of all this mass of ill, some ending may be shown. He, having thus gone forth, robes himself in the morning and sets out for some village or town to beg for arms, with body unguarded, with speech unguarded, with mind unguarded, with mindfulness not established, with faculties uncontrolled. Then he sees women folk, partly clothed, partly attired, at on seeing that sight, passion assails his heart. With heart assailed by passion, he abandons the training and turns back to the low life. This one monk is called a monk who, scared by the peril of sea monsters, abandons the training and turns back to the low life. Peril of sea monsters, monks, is a term for women folk. This monk is called peril of sea monsters. So these monks are the four perils to be looked out for in some clansmen here who has rightly gone forth from home to the homeless life under this Dhamma Vinaya. That's the end of the Sutta. So this last one uh, refers to a monk uh, who has no mindfulness. He's scattered, his mind is scattered uh, and he has more, no mindfulness uh, of body, speech or mind. Uh. 
and so um, because he does not uh, guard his sense doors uh, when he goes out to town he sees um, women, uh, people of the opposite sex and then um, all the desires come back and trouble his mind there are some monks uh, after being a monk for many years you find they are very troubled uh, because all these uh, things trouble them so after some time they can't stand it they have to disrobe uh. so this is especially difficult uh, for people with strong sensual desires there are some people with strong sensual desires uh, and uh, they find it very difficult to overcome uh, especially when they uh, they see the opposite sex. Eh? Um, the only way eh, uh, the Buddha said eh, that we can overcome these type of desires and other types eh, is strong samadhi. Um, in fact, there is one uh, sutta in the Majjhima Nikaya called the Nivapa Sutta. Uh, and uh, in that sutta, the Buddha gave a simile eh, uh, uh, and likening monks to a uh, uh, deer, a flock of deer. Uh, they have to find food to eat. If they stay deep into the jungle, uh, it's quite difficult for these deer to survive. So they, tr- they try to get their food from the farmer's crops. But if they come too near the farmer's crops, the farmer will trap them and kill them. If they stay too far, they get hungry. So they try to take the middle path, not too far and not too near. Uh, so the Buddha said in the same way, uh, a monk has to live near lay people to get the support, but uh, he must also keep his distance. Uh, and uh, strong samadhi uh, will help a, a lot uh, in this case. Uh. So these are the four types of uh, monks who disrobe uh, for different reasons. Uh, uh. Now we come to another sutta, 4.13.123. Uh, monks, these four persons are found existing in the world. What for? Now, monks, a certain person here, aloof from sense desires, aloof from unwholesome conditions, enters upon the first jhana, which is accompanied by thought directed and sustained, born of seclusion, delightful and pleasurable, and abides therein. He enjoys its sweetness, longs for it, and finds happiness therein. Established therein, given thereto, generally spending his time therein, and not falling away therefrom, when he makes an end, he is reborn in the company of devas of the Brahma group. A kappa amongst is the lifespan of the devas of the Brahma group. Therein the ordinary man stays there and spends his time according to the lifespan of these devas. A kappa monks is the lifespan of the devas of the Brahma group. Therein the ordinary man spends, stays and spends his time according to the lifespan of those devas. Then he goes to hell or the womb of an animal or he goes to the ghost realm. But a disciple of the exalted one, after staying there and spending his time according to the lifespan of those devas, finally passes away in that same state. Such monks is the distinction, such the specific feature, the difference between the learned Aryan disciple and the unlearned ordinary man in the matter of rebirth. I stop here for a while just to make a comment. The kappa, kappa means uh, aeon or uh, a world cycle. 
a world cycle is a very, very long time. Eh? That is the lifespan of the devas of the Brahma group. Eh? Uh, so, to continue the sutta, eh? the Buddha said, Again, monks, a certain person here, by the calming down of thought directed and sustained, enters upon the second jhana, that inward calming of the self, that one-pointedness of mind, apart from thought directed and sustained, that is born of concentration, delightful and pleasurable, and having attained it, abides therein. He enjoys its sweetness, longs for it, and finds happiness therein. Established therein, given thereto, generally spending his time therein, and not falling away therefrom. When he makes an end, he is reborn in the company of the radiant devas. Now monks, the lifespan of those devas is two kapas. Therein the ordinary man stays and spends his time according to the lifespan of those devas. Then he goes to the woeful plains, uh, to hell, to the womb of an animal, or he goes to the ghost realm. But a disciple of the exalted one, after staying there and spending his time according to the lifespan of those devas, finally passes away in that same state. Such monks is the distinction, such the specific feature, the difference between the learned Aryan disciple and the unlearned ordinary man in the matter of rebirth. Again, monks, a certain person here, by the fading out of delight, he abides equanimous, mindful and composed, and experiences in his own body that pleasure of which the Aryans declare. He who is equanimous and mindful dwells happily. Thus he attains and abides in the third jhana. He enjoys its sweetness, longs for it, and finds happiness therein, established therein, etc., etc. When he makes an end, he is reborn in the company of the ever-radiant devas. Now monks, the lifespan of those devas is four kapas. Therein the ordinary man stays. Uh, then he goes to hell to the womb of an animal, to the ghost realm. But a disciple of the exalted one, uh, after staying there and spending his time according to the lifespan of those devas, finally passes away in that same state. Such is the distinction, such the specific feature, the difference between the learned Aryan disciple and the unlearned ordinary man in the matter of rebirth. Once more, monks, a certain person here, by abandoning both pleasure and discomfort, by the ending of both happiness and un un unhappiness felt before, he attains the fourth jhana, a state of neither pleasure nor discomfort, an utter purity of mindfulness and equanimity, and having attained it, abides therein. He enjoys its sweetness, longs for it, and finds happiness therein. Established therein, and... Uh, etc. When he makes an end, he is reborn in the company of the Vihapala Devas. Now monks, the lifespan of the Vihapala Devas is 500 kapas. Therein the ordinary man stays and spends his time according to the lifespan of those Devas. Then he goes to hell, or the womb of an animal, or he goes to the ghost realm. But a disciple of the exalted one, after staying there and spending his lifetime according to his his, uh, his, uh, his time according to the lifespan of those devas finally passes away in that same state. Such monks is the distinction, such the specific feature, the difference between the learned Aryan disciple and the unlearned ordinary man in the matter of rebirth. These ten monks are the four persons found existing in the world. That's the end of the sutta. Here the Buddha is, uh, talking about, uh, 
the disciple of the Buddha and an or and uh, external sect uh, ascetic uh, if they cultivate jhana and then they constantly abide in jhana and enjoy it uh, then when they are when they pass away they are reborn in the jhana plains uh, the different jhana plains uh. now after they pass away the the external sect ascetic because he has no knowledge of the dhamma he will fall into the woeful plains one day whereas the um, learned disciple of the buddha he will pass away from that realm eh? and he won't fall into the woeful plains eh? <laughs> uh, disciple of the buddha by understanding the teachings of the buddha and especially with the attainment of jhana the mind is very clear uh, he can see and understand the dhamma uh, much more easily then because of his understanding of the dhamma he will never fall into the woeful plains again so this is the difference uh, uh, between a person who understands dhamma and a person who does not understand jhana so in this case if you understand jhana then jhanic bliss uh, is not a danger uh it's not a danger for someone who understands jhana um another thing you want to notice here in this sutta is that the woeful plains uh, mentioned here are only three always in the suttas uh, we only find three woeful plains hell animal realm and the ghost realm Whereas in the later books, uh, like the Abhidharma and the Mahayana books, uh, they mention four woeful planes. They include the Asuras. Whereas in our Theravada suttas, the Asuras are a kind of deva. This you can uh, get confirmation in the Diga Nikaya. Uh, the other thing we notice here is the the Brahma devas. Uh, the lifespan is one kappa, one world cycle. The radiant devas, two kappa, etc. But the commentaries uh, to the Abhidharma, they give it as one Asankhya Kappa and two Asankhya Kappa, etc., which is a contradiction uh, with the Abhidharma and also a contradiction with the Sutta here. That's why we have to be careful with commentarial books. Eh? Now we come to another Sutta, uh, 4.13.124. The Buddha said, Monks, these four persons are found existing in the world. What for? Now, monks, a certain person here, aloof from sense, desires, etc., enters upon the first jhana, <clears throat> and having attained it, abides therein. There, whatsoever conditions arise by way of form, feeling, perception, volition, consciousness, those conditions he comes to regard as impermanent, as ill, as a disease, as a barb, as pain, ill health, alien, transitory, as empty and not the self. When body breaks up after death, he is reborn in the company of the devas of the pure abodes. Monks, this rebirth is not partaken of by ordinary men. Then again, monks, a certain person here, by the calming down of thought directed as sustain, etc., attains to and abides in the second jhana, the third jhana, the fourth jhana. There, whatsoever conditions arise by way of form, feeling, perception, volition, consciousness, he regards them as impermanent, etc., as empty, not the self. When body breaks up, he is reborn in the company of the devas of the pure abodes. Monks, this rebirth is not partaken of by ordinary men. So these four persons are found existing in the world. 
Here you can find uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, uh, Anagami is a non-returner. He, after he passes away, he's, uh, he's reborn in the pure abode, Sudavasa abodes. And this sutta says, uh, ordinary men cannot go there. Only Anagami. Only Anagami uh, uh, are reborn there. And the Buddha said in one of the suttas that in the long round of rebirths, uh, he has been to almost all the places of rebirth, you know, all the different uh, types of beings he has been to. Uh, he has been, except the pure abodes, that's one place he has not been to, because if he had been born there, he would not have come back. So here you see, uh, to be uh, anagami, to attain anagami, uh, you have to attain the jhanas. Uh, it's mentioned here, he attains the jhanas. Then he sees uh, that the five khandas, form, feeling, perception, volition and consciousness, the five khandas, things, these five things that we associate with the self, uh, he sees them as impermanent, as dukkha, as uh, not-self, as empty, etc. So you have to have the jhanas uh, to be able to see this, to see this very clearly and to attain anagamin. Now the next sutta we come to is 4.14.138. The Buddha said, Monks, these four persons are found in the world. What for? The subdued in body but not in mind. The unsubdued in body, but subdued in mind. He who is subdued in neither body nor mind. He who is subdued in both body and mind. And how, monks, is a person subdued in body, but not in mind? In this case, a certain person makes his bed and lodging in the lonely glades and solitude of a forest. But meanwhile, things, sensual thoughts, malicious thoughts, and harmful thoughts... Thus, monks, a person is subdued in body, but not in mind. And how is a person unsubdued in body, but subdued in mind? In this case, a certain person makes not his bed and lodging in the forest. Yet meanwhile, he thinks unworldly thoughts, thoughts not malicious, not harmful. Thus is a person unsubdued in body, but subdued in mind. And how is a person subdued neither in body nor in mind? In this case, a certain person makes not his bed and lodging in the forest. Yet meanwhile, he thinks sensual thoughts, malicious thoughts and harmful thoughts. And how is a person subdued both in body and in mind? In this case, a certain person makes his bed and lodging in the lonely glades and solitude of a forest, and at the same time thinks unworldly thoughts, thoughts not malicious, not harmful. Thus is a person subdued both in body and in mind. So these four persons are found existing in the world. And this sutta is about viveka. Viveka means seclusion. And there are two types of seclusion, body seclusion, kaya viveka, and seclusion of the mind, citta viveka. And um, kaya viveka is a person who is secluded in the body. That means he goes, in, um, he isolates himself from other people eh? and he goes to the forest. Eh? But uh, the first case is the person who, who has body seclusion, but he has no seclusion of the mind. He still has a mate. His mate is uh, sensual thoughts, or the wrong thoughts, uh, sensual thoughts, malicious thoughts, and harmful thoughts. Uh. So this is a type of person, uh, for example, one who is new on the spiritual path, whose mind is not very well developed, 
uh, he goes to the forest and meanwhile he carries with him all these uh, wrong thoughts. Uh, it takes some time for him to subdue his wrong thoughts. Uh, but if he persists, uh, he would probably be able to subdue his, these uh, wrong thoughts. Uh. The second case is a person <coughs> who has Chitta Viveka but not Kaya Viveka. He does not go into physical seclusion and yet uh, he has quite a developed mind. He does not think sensual thoughts or malicious thoughts or harmful thoughts. Uh, so this is a kind of person uh, whose mind is more developed, somebody probably who has cultivated himself in a previous lifetime. So even as a lay person, he already has a developed mind. The third person is one who is who does who has neither a body seclusion nor bo, uh, nor seclusion of the mind, and that is a very ordinary person, uh, a very worldly person. And then the fourth one, who is subdued both in body and mind, uh, who has both seclusion of body and mind. And this is the best because the Buddha always encourages uh, a monk uh, to be secluded both in body and mind, that, that, that would be the ideal conditions uh, for progress in the spiritual path in the holy life. Uh. But of course later, uh, if a monk uh, uh, considered it necessary, he can always uh, come back to be with people so that he can uh, impart his knowledge of the Dhamma, etc., now we come to 4.15.147. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these four seasons which, if rightly developed, rightly revolved, gradually bring about the destruction of the asavas. What for? Hearing Dhamma in due season, discussion of Dhamma in due season, tranquilization, samatha, in due season, contemplation, vipassana, in due season. These are the four. Just as monks on a hilltop when the sky deva rains thick drops, that water pouring down according to the slope of the ground fills up the clefts, chasms and gullies of the hillside. When these are filled, they fill the pools. When these are filled, they fill the lakes. When these are filled, they fill the rivulets. When these are filled, filled up the great rivers. The great rivers being filled, fill the sea the ocean. Just so monks, these four seasons, if rightly developed, rightly revolved, gradually bring about the destruction of the asavas. So these four things are quite important eh, in the spiritual path. First one is hearing Dhamma. In the uh, Mangala Sutta, this is mentioned, eh, Dhamma Savanang, hearing Dhamma, listening to the Dhamma like you are doing now. Eh. The second one is discussion of Dhamma. Discussion of Dhamma, sometimes to clear our doubts, we discuss Dhamma. Uh, we shouldn't be afraid to discuss Dhamma and we should never get angry eh, in discussing Dhamma. And the third one is Samatha, tranquilization of the mind. Fourth one is Vipassana, contemplation. Uh, so you see uh, in the suttas, uh, the Buddha always mentioned these two uh, as necessary conditions, not as, not one by itself. Samatha and Vipassana, uh, these are the two things that we do in meditation. These are the two possible things that we can do in meditation. Uh. So this is one of the suttas uh, that confirms that Samatha and Vipassana both are necessary and uh, not just one.
Now we come to another sutta, 4.16.157. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these two diseases. What two? Disease of body and disease of mind. Monks, there are to be seen beings who can admit freedom from suffering from bodily disease for one year, for two years, for three, four, five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, who can admit freedom from bodily disease for even a hundred years. But monks, those beings are hard to find in the world who can admit freedom from mental disease even for one moment, save only those in whom the asavas are destroyed. I'll just stop here to comment. Eh? Here the Buddha is saying, eh, it's, uh, you can have bodily health, you know, you can be very healthy in the body, but mentally, eh, most of us, eh, we are sick in the mind eh, uh, all the time, practically all the time. And this sutta is saying eh, uh, that only the arahan, eh, one who has destroyed the Asavas, eh? only the Arahan is sane. We are all in a way insane, you know, Tigasuku or <laughs> something like that. Eh? Uh, as they say, one screw loose. Eh? Uh, so it's uh, very important eh, for us eh, to cultivate our mind. After all, eh? uh, the body, however much you take care of the body, eh, is finally it will be ungrateful to you. It will break down and uh, it will give you a lot of pain. But um, the mind, uh, if we cultivate our mind, uh, can bring us a lot of happiness, the Buddha said, uh, that an uncultivated mind uh, is um, is a source of great suffering, great sorrow. Whereas a cultivated mind uh, brings you uh, a lot of bliss, a lot of joy, a lot of happiness. And not only that, you can bring that with us uh, into our next uh, birth, uh, in our next rebirth, uh, in our next life. And then the Buddha continued, Monks, there are these four diseases of one who has gone forth from the worldly life. What for? Here, monks, we may have a greedy one, full of vexation, discontented with this or that supply of rope and arms food, lodging, seed, medicines and requisites for sickness. He being greedy, full of vexation, discontented, conceives an evil longing for consideration, for gain, honours and fame. He rouses himself, exerts himself, makes an effort to get these things. Of set purpose, he visits families. Of set purpose, he takes a seat. Of set purpose, he speaks Dhamma. Of set purpose, he restrains the calls of nature. These monks are the four diseases of him who has gone forth. Therefore, monks, thus must you train yourselves. We will not become greedy, full of vexation, discontented with this or that supply of rope and arms food, lodging, seed, medicines and requisites for sickness. We will not conceive an evil longing for consideration, for gain, for honours and fame. We will not rouse ourselves, exert ourselves, make an effort to get these things. We will become enduring of cold, hunger, thirst, contact of flies and mosquitoes, of wind and rain and creeping things. We will become bearers of abusive, pain-causing ways of speech. We will submit to painful bodily feelings, grievous, sharp, racking, distracting and discomforting that drain the life away. Thus, monks, must you train yourselves. So here, in the last part, the Buddha is saying uh, that monks should not be full of greed uh, and discontented. Uh, 
And if a monk is full of greed and uh, wants a name and fame, wants a lot of uh, offerings, etc., then um, it's a disease. Uh, and um, so the Buddha taught his disciples uh, generally uh, to go to seclusion and practice, uh, at least uh, for the, the Buddha encourages monks uh, to practice for 10 years before they are allowed to take disciples. Uh, it is uh, in the Vinaya rules. Uh, a monk is not allowed to take any disciple until he has completed 10 years as a monk after the higher ordination. Then he has uh, 10 years of experience and practice behind him. Uh, then only he can uh, take disciples. There's a great danger in the uh, uh, veneration and offerings that a monk receives. Uh, uh, and uh, it's quite easy for a monk to go astray. The only protection uh, is meditation, samadhi, to keep the mind strong. Otherwise, uh, uh, it is quite easy to go astray for a monk.